We're starting a brand new series, as I mentioned, called We're on a Mission. We're on a Mission. You know, we, we've talked about this in, in a couple of different messages that we've, we've had, but we aren't just here uh, as a group of people to come together and go to church. We're not just here to go to church or just come on a Sunday and be at church. We're called to be the church. There's a man named Christopher Wright. He said this. He said, Jesus did not give a mission to his church. He formed a church for his mission. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus did not give a mission to his church. He formed a church for his mission. Without the mission, a church is not a church. It's just a group of disobedient Christians hanging out. (laughs) How many of you are like, well, I may be in that boat right now. Okay. Without the mission that Jesus died for, without the mission that Jesus gave to his church, he brought us together for this mission. Without that, we're just a club. We're just people that have a certain belief system or intellectual idea or philosophy that like hanging out on Sunday mornings. But that's not why we're here. We're not here to go to church. We're here to be the church. We're called to represent Jesus Christ in our community, in our region, in our nation, and around the world. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. He's the head of the body, but we are His church, and He brought us together for His mission. That's one of our core values here is is mission. I love the word mission. Mission's an exciting thing. Have you ever been on a mission? Gone on a mission? Let me tell you like probably the best story that ever happened to me. Uh, It was about a mission. So I was in Bible college. I was nine years old. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I was in Bible college. I think I was probably 20 or around around this age at this point, maybe 19 years old. And uh, I was doing some homework. It was about, I'd say about 10 at night. And I was down in Medford, and all of a sudden we get a call. My mom gets a call. It's my dad. He says, Kim, Gino and I, it's my younger brother, one of my younger brothers, we, we thought we could summit Mount McLaughlin and get down before it got dark, and we were wrong. <laughs> so my dad had got, they got to the summit, got their picture, you know, and uh, we're, we're coming back down, and they were so winded and so wiped out that it starts, the sun goes down, and they get right to about the timber line and still have a couple of miles to go on this trail, and they don't have flashlights. So they have, and as you know, they're, you know I don't go to places that don't have, like, asphalt, and uh, so I don't understand this, but apparently some people, I think even people in this church here actually do like to go out to places like mountains and rivers and places. Okay, well, there's no lights, there's no path, it's just a trail, and it's pitch black dark. So my dad calls, luckily they had cell phones at this point, and he calls my mom and says, please send Jake to bring us flashlights. (laughs) So my mom comes and gets me and says, you have to go on a rescue mission. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Let me just give you a secret. Ladies, this is for you. To get a guy to do anything, make it a mission, okay? (laughs) Like if you, it's kind of like with Jack, my son, if we want him to do something, We'll just say, Jack will time you. You know, it's a, it's a mission. Or if, you know, you're going to fight this monster when you get there. If you want a guy to do something, make it a mission. So my mom says, I need you to go rescue your dad and your brother. They're up on the mountain. So I called a buddy, and we drove about 45 minutes from Medford up towards Klamath Falls, up Highway 140. We get to Mount McLaughlin. We run about two miles down the wrong trail. Uh, <clears throat> we run back, and then we find the right trailhead, which we probably should have started by, you know, taking the time to find the right trail. And we run up the mountain. How many of you have seen Last of the Mohicans? That movie? That's an awesome 
movie. Daniel Day-Lewis has this long hair, and there's parts of the movie when he's running through like the Great Lakes region or up in upper New York up there and in the movie, and I felt like Daniel Day-Lewis running in the dark with my flashlight, and I've never felt more manly than that night when I was on a mission, and unfortunately my dad and brother died, but that... <laughs> No, we were successful in our mission. My friend Alex and I, we, we got the flashlights up to them, and we found my dad, and he was holding my brother, and they were huddled together because it was getting really cold, and we, we, they were so excited to see us, and I just felt like the coolest guy on the planet to go on this mission. So a mission, right? Uh, a mission uh, is a specific moment that has a point, Right? It has a, a, a process and it has a price, and I'll talk about this in a second, but a mission usually is pretty epic. right? How many of you ever read Lord of the Rings? This will kind of show some geek, geek factor. Get your hands up. Okay, I read Lord of the Rings trilogy on my honeymoon, just to let you know who I am as a person. Okay, <clears throat> true story. The whole trilogy. I love it, because every time that you read it, they get the ring into the Mountain of Doom. Okay, so... Missions, though, are, are, are epic, but there's a, there's a point. And missions grab us. There's a story there. And I want to let you know that as the church, we're not called to just come together, hang out, have potlucks, drink some coffee, you know, high-five each other, and, and even worship and all this stuff. That's awesome. But we are here for a specific purpose. God has a mission for us. And that's one of our core values. And we've talked about this, this core value of mission, that for us it means connecting with God's purpose for our lives. And I'll break this down really quick, that God has two purposes in our lives. The first purpose is, God, is His purpose in us. And this is the, the connect us to the reality that God loves us, that God created us for a relationship. God wants to know you in a personal way. This is God's purpose in you. But when you begin to know God's love and you really, you really connect with God, it leads you right into God's purpose for you, right? And that purpose for you is to connect other people with God, to bring other people into that same relationship that you have with God. So let's look at this in some more depth. If you have your Bible, or we'll put it up on the screen, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And this is the passage of Scripture that really is the essence of what the mission of the church is. And this is Jesus, and just to set the stage for you, this is right before Jesus ascends into heaven, and He's speaking to His disciples. This is kind of His last words, or it is His last words, to His disciples. Jesus came and told his disciples in verse 18, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Say all. all. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now let's take a time out for a second. Whenever you see the word therefore, you got to look at what came right before. Jesus said something and he said, therefore means because of what I just said, this is what you're going to do. So this word therefore is a connection, okay? So Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus says, I have the right to tell you what to do, right? Now, where did Jesus get this authority? Why, why does Jesus get to give us a mission? The reason is because Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross for our sins. He lived a perfect life and he laid his life down because of love, showed us the way to live. And he's saying, because of that, God has given me all authority, right? Jesus is our commander. He's our, our captain. He's the one that establishes the parameters of what we are to do as a group of people. He says, because I've been given all authority, therefore go and make disciples 
of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus says, because I've laid my life down and I've earned the right to give the order, this is the mission statement. There's a book by a guy named Jack Haynes, a missionary. It's called His Last Command, Our First Priority. The last command of Jesus is, should be our first priority. Should be our first priority. We're on a mission. Now let's look at some characteristics of missions. And I talked about my mission to go save my dad. Talked about Lord of the Rings. You know, Frodo had a mission to drop, to get the ring and destroy the, the ring of power. But let's look at some characteristics of mission. I want to give you three characteristics of mission. Number one, missions have a point. Okay? Missions have a point. Missions have a clear goal. This is what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to do. Second thing is that missions have a process, an effective strategy, how we will do it. And lastly, missions have a price, a real cost, or what it will take to get the mission done. Now, I want you to think about what it must be like to be a military commander. Let's say you're over in Afghanistan or Iraq and Maybe you're, you're a general and it's your responsibility to come up with an objective and you're going to actually send men and women who are husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and you're going to actually send them into enemy territory and into the line of fire and they could actually pay the ultimate price of their lives. Now I want you to think about this. If you're giving commands, do you think it's important that your mission has a point? What are we trying to accomplish how many of you, if you were that soldier, would like to have a general say, just get out there and shoot some stuff and, you know, just, you know, have a good time? No, no. Missions have a point. There, there is something that is trying to be accomplished in a mission. Missions have a process. If you're that soldier and your, your commander says, look, we have a, a mission here. I want you to go and I want you to take this, this area and you're going to uh, capture this area and, and we're going to have that territory now. And they say, Okay, what, how do we do this? And the commander says, I don't know, figure it out. That's not a good leader, right? This is a bad mission. A mission has to have an effective strategy. It has to have a process, how we're going to accomplish it. And then lastly, missions always have a price. When you're that commander and you're sending people into the line of fire, you say, well, this is a, a goal that is that's worthwhile. We need to do this. Here's how we're going to do it. But you have to count the cost, don't you? And say, is what we're trying to achieve worth sending these husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters into the line of fire, it's a real cost. Am I willing to pay the price to get the mission done? So three characteristics of mission, and we're going to unpack this today. Number one, talked about missions have a point. What is the point of our mission as Christ's church? Even not just Joy Church, but really the church universal, Christ Church. What is the point of our mission? The point, as Jesus gave it to us in Matthew chapter 28, is to make disciples of Jesus, right? To make disciples of Jesus. This is the point of our mission. Now, you might think, well, this is like all pretty boilerplate, simple stuff. But do you know a lot of people are confused about this? They think that the point of church is to feel good. Well, I should come to church on Sundays and I should feel good. Well, I hope you feel good. We want you to feel good. If you don't feel good, please go get a muffin or pastry because <laughs> you'll feel better. But that's not really the point, is it? It's a, it's a good byproduct. We, I do want you to feel good at church, absolutely, as opposed to feeling bad. But that's not really the point of why we're here. 
Some people think the point is, is just to make connections and have relationships. Well, that's a great thing. Actually, that serves the point, but it's not the point, right? So it's important that we really focus in on what did Jesus, who has been given all authority, what did he say the point was? Jesus said the point of the... I spit, sorry. The Good thing nobody's sitting in the front row. Yeah, <laughs> Brian needs to get some windshield <laughs> wipers. Jesus said the point of our mission is to make disciples. That's the point of our mission. I love this, this phrase. Pastor Steve Morell says, Discipleship is simple, but it's not easy. Discipleship is so simple that 2,000 years ago, a carpenter explained it to a fisherman in one sentence and he understood it. So what is discipleship? Jesus said, this is the point to make disciples. And we'll talk about what a disciple is in a second. But let's look at this. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. This is Jesus doing the mission that he's calling us to do. And in this moment, he gives us an insight into what this word disciple means and what discipleship is. So Jesus already said, the point of our mission is to make disciples. This is Jesus making disciples or calling people to be his disciples. And, he, and it's very simple. He says, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And I gave you this phrase a couple weeks ago, but I'll say it again. Jesus is saying, take this journey, come follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to take someone with you, right? What we are doing when we make disciples is we are on a journey following Jesus, but discipleship is also about grabbing somebody else and bringing them along with you. So what is a disciple? I want to give you our verbiage on this at Joy Church so that we can be on the same page and have clarity in our mission. Our definition of a disciple can be broken into what we call the four C's. It sounds like a Motown band, right? We're the four C's. That was a better joke than I got credit for, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the four C's, Christ, church, change, and call. And I'll, and I'll explain this from the Bible here, but a disciple is someone who's committed first to Christ, right? A disciple is someone who is following Jesus and they've committed their life to Christ. They've trusted Christ with their salvation with their eternal hope and security, but not just sort of in the future, when I die, I'll go to heaven. That's not what following Christ is about. It's about giving Him your life, right? Uh, a person, a disciple is also someone, number two, who's committed to Christ's church or to community, meaning that you're not a lone ranger. You're here together. You're here with Christ's church. We're brought together to accomplish this mission. Uh, number three, a person is a disciple who's committed to be changed by Christ. This is that third C, change. In other words, you don't just join Jesus and say, well, I accepted Christ and everything's good and now I'm not going to change. No, when, when you give your life to Jesus, He invites you into this journey and He's going to dig deep, even sometimes painfully, into your issues, right? And Jesus is going to ask you to change. Now, the beautiful thing is that he's not going to ask you to change and then sort of throw you in a room with a crust of bread and say, change, and then I love you. No. Jesus is going to enable you to change his grace and his mercy and his love. And in, as a part of a community, a part of Christ's church, he's going to lead you on this journey of change and continue to give you bite-sized pieces that, that you can grow in ways that you can change. But a disciple someone who says, I'm committed to change, right? I'm not just going to stay the same. I'm going to grow in my relationship with Christ and others. And then lastly... The fourth C is the word call. A disciple is someone who's committed to the call of Jesus 
or the mission of Jesus to make disciples. Now, I want to really dig in on this definition of a disciple because a lot of us as Christians, followers of Jesus in the American church, we get a little bit fuzzy sometimes. Even the way we do church, we sort of have a consumer mindset. But everything that you see in Scripture is a contributor mindset. Jesus wasn't looking for people to just come and consume, just get something out of church. Jesus wasn't even calling you to come and be a part of church. Jesus was calling you to be the church. Jesus wants to raise up disciples who are committed, like I said, these four things, but committed to the mission of Christ, not just looking, what can I get out of this, but what can I give into this, right? What can I give into this? Now, ultimately, as Christians, we want to be like Christ. We want to be like Jesus. And when you think about Jesus, would you apply the term selfish to Jesus? How about self-centered? No. How about concerned with his own safety? How about looking to store up wealth and riches? No. When you think about Jesus, shout some stuff out. What do you think about? Giving, sacrifice. What else? Humility, love. What else? Healed people, patience. Okay. These are awesome things. Purity. Anything else? Salvation. Salvation. One more. Eternal. Eternal. Okay. Awesome. Good job, guys. Give yourself a hand. So Jesus is not self-centered, right? He's a giver. Somebody said he's a, he's a savior, right? Jesus is the ultimate picture of somebody who is living with a completely other-centric paradigm, other-centric focus, and yet as followers of Christ, why do we take such an internal focus? Even this thing that a lot of people think about Christianity is that Christianity is about becoming a better person. Actually, that's not what it's about. Christianity is about following Jesus, getting your mind off yourself, allowing Him to transform you as you focus on other people. One of my favorite Christian thinkers and authors, C.S. Lewis, said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And Jesus invites us into this way of life where we lose sight of ourselves, even our own failures, even our own flaws. We get our eyes on Him. We get our eyes on others. And we live not to consume, but to contribute. And we live to bring other people in. As, this, as we kind of get this locked in, this is what a disciple is. Somebody who's committed to follow Jesus and committed to be a part of community, a part of the church. Somebody who's committed to change and somebody who's committed to the call that Jesus gave us to make disciples. And it's all here in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus says, come and follow me. That's that commitment to Christ. He says, I will make you. And he's speaking to a group. It's community. Jesus didn't call individuals. He called groups. Called, he called communities to come together. It's interesting that Jesus, right here, he calls four guys uh, in this passage of scripture. We just saw two here, but he actually goes... He calls Simon Peter, and he calls his brother Andrew, and he calls James and John. And then he goes and he gets a team of 12, right? And then he sends them out to go gather a group, and they gather a group of 70. Then we see in the book of Acts, or at the resurrection, that there was about 500. Then in the upper room in early uh, part of the book of Acts, there's 120. There was a community. Jesus was drawing people together, right? So it's implied here. And they're committed to change. Follow me, and I will make you. I will make you. When Jesus says, I will make you, he's not saying everything you are right now is where you're going to stay. He's saying you're going to come on a journey of change. I'm going to teach you how to be not just a consumer, but a contributor, right? To to begin to adopt an other-centric paradigm. And Jesus says, not only am I going to bring you into relationship with me 
and even with your fellow disciples and brothers and sisters in Christ, but I'm going to give you and entrust you with my mission. You guys understand how to fish for fish? I'm going to show you how to fish for people. Jesus connects them with purpose, with mission. So that's our definition of a disciple. And as we look at the point of our mission, we need to understand that making, as a church and as an individual Christian, that making disciples of Jesus is the standard by which we should measure our effectiveness as a church. Did you know that I'm, I'm excited that there's about you know, 60, 70, 80 people here, whatever. I'm excited about that, but I would be more excited if you take a step of faith in walking forward in your discipleship today because the measure of effectiveness for me as a pastor, as a leader, is not how many people we gather in a crowd. It's how many commissioned disciples that we raise up. People that have committed themselves to Christ. If you want to really bless me and make my week go great, when we launch small groups, go to them and grow as a disciple. If we had 10 people on Sundays and 10,000 in, in groups of people growing as disciples, guess what? Mission accomplished or, or mission effective. We're doing a good job. Making disciples. Jesus didn't say, go and gather followers. He didn't tell his disciples, go and gather crowds. Go and gather audiences. Jesus didn't say, go and take over the political offices. Go and take over the media. Go and take over the city council. He said, go and make disciples. Do you know that as Christians, if we want to see our nation change and come in line with our faith and our values, I'm not saying don't vote for the person that, that has the values that we have. Do that as a citizen. But as a Christian, if you want to make a difference, make disciples. Because if Kyle's committed to Jesus Christ and he's committed to Christ's church and he's committed to be changed by Christ and he's committed to the call of Christ, don't you think that he's going to make a bigger difference in his community and in in every single area of his life. How many of you have ever said, I wish this person would change, or I wish this individual would stop being this way? You ever wanted somebody to change? Help them find Christ. Because how do you change? Do you change because somebody said, you need to change? No. You change because the power of God is at work in your life as a disciple of Jesus, in connection, in community. Hello. So how do we measure our effectiveness as a church? Not by how many people we gather, not by how much money we even give to missions, not by how much, none of that. We measure our effectiveness by have we made disciples. And we have to stay, and I picked this word, relentlessly committed to that point. Because it's so easy to get distracted and do a lot of good things and miss the point. You ever found this to be the case in life? Yeah. We're on a mission. Remember this. We're not here just as a social club. We're going to have fun. June 5th, we're going to have a potluck, which is like a totally churchy word. I love it. <laughs> I don't even know what's a pot, what the heck is a potluck, but I guess it means you're, if you get something good at a church potluck, you got lucky, right? <laughs> just kidding. <clears throat> but we're going to have fun. We're going to be community. We're going to hang out. We're going to play Frisbee, and I'll probably run over your foot or something. I don't know, but those are great things. We can do a lot of good things. We can give money. We can, we can serve the poor. We can do all these great things. And that's a part of what it means to be the church. But it's not the point. The point is to make disciples. Why? Because how do you really change someone's life? You give them the, the, the gift of Christ. Okay? And everything else that we do should flow out of that as a secondary thing to the point. So as a church, we have to stay relentlessly committed to the point of the mission. 
to make disciples. Because it's possible to do a lot of really good things and miss the point. We're going to do a lot of good things, but we're not going to miss the point. You with me? What's the point? Make disciples, right? That's our mission. It's the, the goal. Number two, the process. Let's look at the strategy, the, the process. And we'll get practical here, but here at Joy Church, and really for any Christian in any church, there's a process, an effective strategy for how we make disciples. And I talk to a lot of Christians, and this is probably, and even in my own life, probably the biggest disconnect on how we make disciples is in the question of how. Because I didn't feel like a lot of you were like, no, that's not the point. We're not here to make disciples. We're actually here to make, you know, Twinkies. I, I, I think we're all kind of like, yeah, we see, the, we see the point. You read a verse. We agree, right? Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples. But we come to this question of, well, how do we do that? What does that look like? I want to give you two words and a concept here. We make disciples through, here's the words, intentional relationship. Intentional relationship. I want to challenge you to look at Scripture through the lens of relationship. We take a look at the Ten Commandments. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Those commandments mean nothing outside of the scope of relationship. Scripture is all about, there's this, this theme all throughout of relationship with God, relationship with others. Somebody said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment in the, in the law or in the, in the Scriptures? And he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equally important. You must love your neighbor as yourself. And upon these things, upon this, these commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. In, in, in other words, the essence of what it means, what the commandments that Jesus gave, the great commandments are to love God and love other people. It's relationship, okay? Relationship is how we make disciples. But not just relationship of, oh, we're just hanging out and we just, you know, played bold and just hung out. No, it's intentional relationship. It's in a relationship that has a point, okay? Relationship that we engage in with other people for the purpose of bringing them into relationship with Jesus, okay? Intentional relationship. Now, this is something that I want to encourage you in as Christians, and I'm going to talk about this next week. I'm going to talk about the heart of discipleship and the heart of mission. A lot of Christians get really intimidated, including myself, when we hear Go into all the world and make disciples. And I have absolutely zero idea how to do that. I don't know the whole world. I don't speak every language. I hardly know a, probably a half a percent of people in the city that I live in. I don't even know all my neighbors. So how can I love the world? The first step is to intentionally start a relationship with one person. Don't worry about loving the world. Learn to love your neighbor. God's job is to love the world. Our job is to love our neighbor. Okay? And so we talk about our process. How do we do this? How do we lead people into becoming a disciple of Jesus? We do this through intentional relationship. Now, when you look at this passage in Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus was giving this mission to his original disciples, and it comes to us, we need to understand something about discipleship and what this process is and what it looks like. That Jesus' original disciples understood Jesus' command to make disciples, that it wasn't directed at helping people that already knew Jesus become better Christians. See, a lot of Christians, a lot of Jesus followers, and even people that aren't a follower of Jesus, they hear this term discipleship and they immediately think Christians sitting around in a circle poking at each other. Okay, Brian, what'd you do this week? Sinner. You know what I mean? (laughs) Don't you think you should follow Jesus, Brian? No, that's not... that. No, please, God, no. 
Or discipleship is getting in a circle and everybody reads a verse and we're all bored to tears. Right? You ever been in a Bible study that you'd rather have pulled out your own teeth? I have. I grew up in church, right? Maybe you're here and you're like, that's how I feel right now. Well, I'm sorry. Discipleship isn't just, there's a part of it, but it's not just Christians sitting in a circle helping each other become better Christians. No. When Jesus gave the mission and sent his disciples out into the world, there weren't any Christians. They were going into Jerusalem and there were Jews and there were Romans and there were pagans and they were going all over, but there weren't any Christians. You couldn't go to like First Christian Church of Laodicea. It didn't exist. Hey, is there a Baptist church here in Ephesus? No, there are no churches, right? So making disciples was not Christians sitting in a circle helping each other become better Christians. That was something that happened later. That's kind of called church, right, to some level. But it was Jesus' disciples, they understood this was their commission or mission. They were being sent out to go and connect intentionally with people that did not know Christ and help them find a relationship with Jesus People that are connected with God, helping people that are not connected with God, get connected with them so they can get connected with God. This is the, what I mean by intentional relationship. It was a command to connect with people that had no relationship with Jesus and connect them with Him. So I want to ask you a question. As a follower of Christ, and if you're not a follower of Christ, this doesn't apply to you. We want to help you get connected to Jesus. Hopefully today you'll find faith and trust in Christ. Or come back next week and keep, keep digging in and figuring out what this thing's about. But if you're a follower of Christ, I want to ask you this question. Who are you intentionally pursuing relationship with? Oh, I'm pursuing relationship with the world. No, you're not. You can't have a relationship with the world. Oh, I'm pursuing relationship with my job, at my job. Well, you can't. Is there like 50 people where you work? No, you can pursue relationship with a handful of people at most. So when I say, who are you pursuing who are you intentionally pursuing relationship with? It should be a face and a name. One, two, maybe three people. But who has God brought into your life for you to love? To have intentional relationship with? Because discipleship is relationship. You know, we were talking about this on, on Wednesday, uh, or maybe last week, but Kyle and Judah and Bethany and I, and we were talking about how did we grow in our walk with Christ? How did that happen? And it, and it always comes down to there was a person that connected with us and helped us to grow. I don't care where a person is at. Maybe somebody is completely without Christ, completely spiritually dead, completely has no idea at all about Jesus or anything. As a disciple of Christ, your mission is to go and intentionally pursue relationship with that person. This doesn't mean trying to get something from them. You are pursuing them to get something for them, to give something to them, to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. But that will not happen unless you intentionally make that connection, right? How will people come to Christ if, if the church of Christ does not go out into the world and connect with them? If we're too busy sitting in circles helping each other become better Christians, right? Who's, who's connecting with people that don't know Christ? Now, guess what? Are we going to have circles and help each other become better Christians? Yeah, probably. Right? We're going to gather together. We're, we are going to do that. That's a part of discipleship. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of that so that you act, you know, oh my God, I'll never grow. We're never going to have a group here where I can have a conversation with a Christian. No, I'm just saying the mission, though, ultimately was to reach out to people that are outside and bring them into relationships. So our process 
is going to be really summed up in these words, intentional relationship. You say, Pastor Jake, how are we going to make disciples? We aren't going to make disciples. You are going to make disciples through intentional relationship. We're, we are going to do that together. But individually, I'm going to pursue relationship, right? Sound good? Intentional relationship. Discipleship is relationship. I want that word to get drilled in today. And last week we talked about the fact that spiritual fruit is always seen in the context of relationship. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Galatia, and in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Goodness, peace, gentleness, kindness, right? Love. But you have to ask the question, love with who? Kindness towards who? Gentleness with who? The fruit of the Spirit, the outworking of a relationship with Christ is seen in relationship with other people, right? Not just individually. You know, when we grow, uh, we, we have an other-centric mindset, and it's in the context of relationship. <clears throat> Discipleship is relationship, so that's our process. Okay, number three. You with me? Yes. Number three, the price. So we've looked at the point to make disciples. The process is intentional relationship. That's how we're going to do it. It's our strategy because relationship is how everybody gets connected and grows and matures in any area of life, right? It's our process, intentional relationship. Number three, the price. What's it going to cost? <clears throat> First John chapter 3, verse 16. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. It's just absolutely loaded, and I want us to meditate on this today. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We know what love is because we can see Jesus and what he did. We can see the example of Christ. So we also ought to follow Jesus in giving up our lives for others. Jesus gave his life to accomplish his mission. When you look at the price that was paid for you even to have an opportunity to sit here and hear a message like this today, Jesus literally gave up his physical life. The sins of the world were placed upon him and he bore the complete and total wrath of God. He paid a price so that you and I could have a relationship with God. God. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, there's a point to what I'm doing, there's a process that I'm going to walk out and I will pay the price to see it come to pass. Did you know that you can get clarity as a disciple? Yeah, the point is to make disciples. You can run out of here, disciples, 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 right? And you can be cheerleading and all this kind of stuff. And Dalen can do a backflip or something, you know, because she's a cheerleader. Sorry, she's looking at me like, okay. So we can be all excited. We know the point. We've got the point to make disciples, rah, rah, rah. And we can go, we know the process. I'm going to go find somebody in relationship. And then you get into relationship and that person is, you know, mean because they're a human, or they have bad breath sometimes, or you don't like the kind of music they listen to, or they don't, they're not you know, really part of your crew, your group. and it's, it's, They live kind of far away, so it's hard to get to them. And, then, and you go, man, like, I'm giving up my life. Well, yeah. That's what it costs. If the mission is worth doing, and there's an effective strategy, and it's laid out before us, and we can see, man, my mission as a believer is not just to be a consumer, consumed with my own spiritual growth, whatever that looks like and what that means, but I, when I get over this mindset and I begin to be a contributor, there is a price to pay. Jesus gave up his life to accomplish his mission, and we are here as followers of Jesus only because he paid that price. 
and we will not pay less of a price to accomplish that mission that he gave to us. Because here's the catch. Everybody spends their life on something. You know, you think, well, I don't really, maybe I don't really want to give up my life to, to accomplish the mission of Jesus. That's okay. You are giving up your life for something, though. See, a lot of people are on a mission to make money. A lot of people are on a mission to get that relationship that they've been seeking. Well, if I can just get this guy to like me, then that'll validate me. Or if I can just get this girl to like me, then that'll validate who I am. And, I'll f- and they're, they're on a mission. They're giving their life. They're spending it on something. I just think that Jesus' mission is the, the most worthwhile investment of our life that we could make. Right? And as a follower of Christ, it's non-negotiable. For anybody else here, I want to tell you that Jesus has purpose and meaning and destiny for your life. He loves you so much. He paid this price for you to be able to hear His gospel, to hear the good news, to come into a relationship with God. Jesus paid that price. But for us as Christ followers, let's not spend our life on something other than what Jesus gave us to do. What are we spending our life on? And does it have eternal value? Eternal value. Jesus told us to store up treasures in heaven where rust and moths cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. So many times I give my life and I I give my time and my, my resources to things that are temporal, that are just here and now, and I lose sight of things that will last forever. Do you know what lasts forever? The people that are sitting around you. The people that, you're, that are at your workplace, the people that you go to school with, that woman that you sit next to on the bus stop who smells funny, that's what lasts forever. You have the ability to influence someone's eternity. That's the point. You know the process, but will you pay the price? Will you give up your life? You know, there's people in my world that I'm willing to die for. It, if, if uh, you know, my son was running out or my daughter or my wife was walking in the street and a, a truck was coming and I could jump and I could push them out of the way and take their place and actually give up my physical life for them, I would do that because of love. But then I have to remind myself that it's actually not enough to die for someone. Are you willing to give your life to them? Which means what time you have here and now. Does that make sense? You know, we're willing to die for people. It's crazy. Sometimes people are even willing to do heroic acts and actually give up their physical life. They just respond in that moment. And yet a lot of times we spend so much time on our phone checking out what ha- what's happening with all the, the world around us and we just don't talk to the person on the bus. We don't talk to our kids. We don't talk to our spouse. Or we don't, and we neglect the ability to make an impact on eternity that's right in front of our faces. Are you willing not just to give up your life physically, but actually give your time Give your life. Invest it in people through intentional relationship. Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He died for three years with 12 dudes. You think that wasn't a price? You ever hung out with dudes? It was a price. (laughs) Jesus, all the women are like, hey man, (laughs) preach it. Jesus walked in intentional relationship every day, day in, day out, living with these guys. He had to actually escape sometimes and go up and pray, God, please, Help me, these guys are morons, you know? <laughs> I'll imagine that's what Jesus was praying. It's not in the Bible, but who knows? But Jesus said, God, I've loved those that you've given me right to the very end. Are you willing to let people come and be a part of your life? Are you willing to pay that price and give your life to people? Did you know that you can make an eternal difference on mission for Jesus? When you see the point, I'm here to make disciples. I do that through intentional relationship, and I'm willing to pay a price 
to give my time, my resources, my energy to somebody else, to see them get connected with God, to help them become a disciple of Jesus Christ, to see them become committed to Christ, committed to His community, His church, committed to change and committed to the call, our city will change. Our region will change. God will do incredible things if we will get the point, get the process, and pay the price. Amen? Amen? We're on a mission. We're not just a social club. Don't miss the point. We're going to do a lot of great things. We're going to do a lot of good things. But ultimately, what are we here to do? To see people come to know Jesus Christ and to become disciples that follow Him. Are we willing to pay that price? Jesus loved us enough to pay that price. Are we willing to pay that price?